Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. There's stuff going on on planet Earth, big time. I said this morning, I've never in my life seen opinion so weaponized as it is today. I've been telling my church and other places where I lead, it's okay to have an opinion, but just be very careful that what you say, write and do does no damage to other people and the church of Jesus Christ. Never before have I seen so many arguments in families, in workplaces, wherever we go. And tonight I wanna talk to you about arguments. Lynn and I don't have arguments. We've been married 40 years on the 26th of June, lucky girl. And we've never had an argument. We've had animated discussions, very animated. We never had an argument. The Oxford Dictionary actually defines an argument as an exchange of diverging or opposite views, typically heated or angry. An argument. An argument is a clash of perspective. Usually somebody's right and somebody's wrong. And in the kingdom of God, we've already been hearing overtones of it throughout the night. It's truth versus lies. And there is a spiritual dimension to arguments and Paul picks it up and I would like you to stay plugged in with me tonight. We're gonna go on a journey. We're gonna talk about arguments and how arguments create strongholds. Paul says, in his incredible letter, 2 Corinthians, writes in chapter 10, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish what? Say it with me, arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Over the last decade or two, there's been a lot of teaching on spiritual warfare. I believe in it. I thank God for intercessors. I thank God for people that that actually detect the, the spiritual climate in atmospheres and go after it. But here's what I've learned through a lot of experience of walking with Jesus more than 40 years. Here's what I've learned through actually experience on the front line. The greatest spiritual warfare is not out there somewhere. The greatest spiritual battle of all exists between our ears. That's where the greatest war rages, the arguments. And I would be bold enough to say tonight that the level to which you live in victory as a believer will be determined by what you listen to how you process it, and then what you repeat. Spiritual warfare. Now having said that, I lay that as a foundation. Come with me, we're gonna go a little deeper on on a thought tonight. Arguments, what I hear, what I believe, what I repeat. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis, God gives Adam a very important responsibility in chapter two. You read it in verse 19, it's naming the animals. 
I don't know about you, but I, there are some really funny pictures I see in Scripture. Could you imagine this? God lines up the entire animal kingdom and says, okay, Adam, here's a job. Let me read it to you. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all the birds in the sky and the kiwi and the emu. That's in the Amplified. He brought them to the man to see, this is, catch this. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Now, sometimes we read verses like that and we just go on. Let me tell you something. There's very powerful things happening right there. Let me give it to you. What you call things, they become. This big fat thing comes rolling down the thing with a trunk. He says, that's an elephant. The minute he said it's an elephant, that's what it is forever. An eagle, a dolphin, whatever he called it, that's what it was. You see, I can call Josh a friend and the more I say it, the stronger that thing becomes. He's my friend. But if I call him a foe, that's what he becomes. Whatever you call things, they become. Parents, all ears open. You need to be careful what you say to your kids. Remember that powerful movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Some parents do that every day. See, what you call them, they become. Girls, you may not have married Brad Pitt, but I'm gonna tell you something. That old boy, he can, he can radically change before your eyes. Try this tomorrow when he comes home from work. Say, oh, object of my desire. I've longed for you these last 10 years. You watch that old boy. He'll suck this in. He'll begin to walk different. He'll begin to talk like Morgan Freeman. What you call things, they become. Adam gives that name to the animals. How many people in this room have given their pet a really dumb name over their lifetime? We're gonna have an altar call for you later. I've actually been one of those people that we, we, we've not had a lot of pets growing up. I'm getting therapy, I'll be okay. But when I was a little boy, we had a little fox terrier, had spots on him. Guess what I called him? Spotty. State the obvious people. I have a friend whose dog was actually called Yet, Y-E-T. Do you know why? His wife came home and he said, have you named the dog yet? And he said, what a great idea. <laughs> True story. I have another friend, he, I've got some weird friends. I have another friend, had a kind of a little bit of an acreage, he had a cat called Sifa, Sifa cat. I'm telling the truth, a dog called Difa and a goat called Jifa. They had the opportunity to give the dog, the goat, the cat, the name and whatever they call it, that's what it was. Here's the difference between you and I and the animal kingdom. We can reject the names we're given. Sporting teams know the power of a name. So we called our teams names like lions and bulls and tigers. The power. I, I don't quite get the crows bit, but that's for another day. Feel the love, people, feel the love. Well, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you heard of the snails winning a championship? 
Sporting teams know the power of a name. It's a declaration to their own soul, a declaration to the enemy. We know who we are. We're powerful. It's in our name. So who have you let name you? Who have you let name you? When I was born, my parents looked at me and saw this cute little bundle of flesh and said, and he shall be called Wayne. I never knew why. <laughs> Wayno. <laughs> one day when our first child was been born, my wife bought one of those names and what it means, those little books. I went to the back. You know what I found? My name means wagon maker. <laughs> Very powerful. <laughs> and he shall be called wagon maker. Please don't anybody after the service come to me having mercy and telling me that God's caused me to carry great weight. Thank you for the prophecy. Heard it too many times. I'm a wagon maker. End of story. <laughs> One of my favourite movie series is about a CIA operative called Jason Bourne. Oh, yeah, now you're awake. Didn't say that description, did you, hey? The Bourne series are awesome. The, whole, the subplot of the whole series is about this operative that's been, been reformatted and reprogrammed and in the process they gave him another name. And, and right through as he's fighting evil, he's doing this and that and corruption in government. Underneath it all, there's this longing to know who he really is. And finally, about third movie into the series, somebody tells him, your name is David Webb. And there seems to become a peace because now I know who I really am. People were saying I'm somebody, but I'm not really. There's an argument going on because what they're calling me is not who I know I am. Don't let the wrong voices name you. Don't let the wrong people say you're something that God hasn't made you to be. There's a classic example of this in the New Testament. The book of Luke. Luke the doctor, he's very detailed in his, his stories and his narratives. And this is a classic. Right at the start of Luke's gospel, chapter 1, we'll read from verse 5. Stay with me because there's some unbelievable truth and some funny moments in this whole story. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife was Elizabeth and she was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. They observed all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Here's what the Bible's telling us. Zach and Liz were good people. But there's a problem because they didn't believe the Word of God. They didn't believe what God was about to say to them. Verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer's been heard. This is interesting. Some of us are praying for things and when God is about to do it, we don't believe He's doing it. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. Pause. Up until now, they're under the old covenant. Up until now, all they know is laws and rituals and everything from the Old Testament. And Zechariah is a priest, a good man, a godly man. He loved God with all his heart. He feared the Lord. But he'd been worn down up here. Time, the, the series you're about to do, where's my miracle? 
I'm going to tell you, some of us have been worn down and we, we're saying prayers out of rote and out of religion, but we've stopped believing to see the answer for them. That's where Zechariah and Elizabeth were. God said, I'm going to do a, a great thing for you. I'm about to do a whole new thing on the planet. And guess what? The child you're about to bring into this world, he's to be called John. Do you know what John means? Grace. The Lord is gracious. That's what John means. Now, did you just some of us miss what was happening right there. God is about... To, so a few months after John was to be born, the Messiah, God in flesh, was going to come. Emmanuel, Jesus, God's plan for salvation for planet Earth was about to come. But before salvation was to come, grace had to come first because law had come and salvation hadn't been on the back of the law. Now God is doing a new thing. Grace had to come before salvation. It was a whole new day. Let me tell you something. Let me prophesy. It's all going crazy out there, but God is doing a new thing on planet Earth. I can't quite define it. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know He's God and I know He's going to do good things for His people. So we better be careful what we call these moments. God says, salvation's coming. My son's on his way. So, so prepare the way and declare grace. You speak grace into the atmosphere. Whoa. Zechariah's response. This is cool. Verse 18. Zechariah writes the angel. Um, question. How can I be sure of this? This is cool. Now, Zach is classy. Look at him. He says, I am an old man. And my wife is well along in years. How smooth is that? I'm old. He was never going to call his wife old. He just said, she's got a lot of miles on the clock. You're good, even to the angel, Zach, you're good. The angel said, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you, ooh, we don't want an argument. The only way to stop an argument sometimes is somebody just has to shut up. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Whoa. Doubt crept in. God was speaking truth. But because Zechariah and Elizabeth had been worn down by how long it took for God to do his work, they'd allowed doubt to creep in. And an argument had been created in their mind. So God had no other option but to strike him mute. There are some people that you should not give them the right to speak into your life or your future. I'm sorry, what you're saying conflicts with what God is saying. So I'm sorry, you've got nothing to say. I'm not talking about being rude or arrogant. I'm just talking about you walking in faith and closing your ears to things that don't agree with God's word for your life. God didn't want Zechariah naming this season painful. Disappointment, fear. There's all sorts of names that he could have, could have given him. So he says, you know what? I'm, not, I, you are not gonna, I'm doing a new thing and I'm just not gonna give you the right to speak. So I'm gonna silence you. There are some people that I just am not prepared to have conversations with. Because every time they speak, 
It's so counter to what God has been saying to my soul. We need to guard our hearts and we need to guard our minds. 22 years ago, Lynn and I went to a church in the red light district of Brisbane. Our church is eight years younger than your church. You're having your centenary later this year. We turn 92 around the same time. And our church has seen phenomenal times planted by the, the uh, uh, founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth Clibbins, his grandson, uh, William Booth's grandson, William Booth Clibbins, planted our church and it's seen phenomenal days and it's planted many churches, etc., etc., etc. And when I got the call to take the leadership of that church, people said to me, Wayne, you're going to a graveyard. It's had great days, but its best days are behind it. It's got a glass ceiling on it and the negativity that flowed over and over and over and something began to rise up in my heart and said, let me tell you something. This is what God put in my heart. It's not what it is, it's what it will be. Every time they said, it's got a glass ceiling on it, it's in a violent area, families won't go, you'll never build a youth ministry, and on and on and on. I said, no, 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 it's not what it is, it's what it will be. God's put something in my heart. I'm sorry. In those days, it was called Glad Tidings Tabernacle, the one true church. Glad Tidings Tabernacle. We felt in a new century, in a new era, that God had put something in our hearts to give it a new name. And so we called it Hope Centre. We began to declare and we began to prophesy. I remember in the second Sunday that we were there, I called our new worship pastor up and I said, sing that song that we know is what God is saying in this place. And you know what we began to sing a song? We began to sing a song that says, Lord, I love this house. Our church was down to a third of what it had been just three years earlier. The balcony area was roped off because there was no need for people to sit up there. It was, it was a ghost town. And so we began to sing the song, Lord, I love this house. And the catch line in the middle there, the tag said, this is where the miracle begins. And I watched people. And it was like they were chewing gravel. It's where the miracle begins. I love this house. It's where the miracle begins. Let me tell you something. Week one, somebody got saved. First time in a year. Week two, a few people more got saved. And we began to see things happen. Within three weeks or four weeks, we opened the balcony up and things began to happen and things began to change and things began to shift. You've got to, you've got to stop believing the lies and begin to declaring the truth of what God says. And, and, and let me tell you something, when you do, things shift in the unseen realm. I can't describe exactly how it happens. All I know is our words have power. Our words have power. Some of us have listened to things about ourselves and our families for way too long. Things like you'll always be like this. Good things never happen to families like us. God will forgive you of most things, but he, 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 you've committed the unpardonable sin. You can't be forgiven of that. You'll never get over that. That pain's too big. You'll never actually get to a place of, of real victory. You might make it to heaven, but you'll always live in pain. And we've all heard that stuff. Maybe not from human lips, but those little darts that get stuck in our head and they're on repeat in the background over and over and over and over again. And it's time for us to cast down some of those things so we can begin to spend our lives living in truth because truth is what sets you free. You cast down the lies, the argument stops. Hmm. Back to our friends, Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is cool. The baby's born, miracle child. 
towards the end of the chapter, verse 62. This is really funny. They made signs. So the baby's born now. The baby that they couldn't even believe to come and then when they found out it was coming, they struggled to believe that they could call it grace. Child's there. And so a bunch of friends come around and they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. Just pause for a second. (laughs) Zach wasn't mute. So he wasn't deaf, he was just mute. But they're making signs. They're writing first syllable. And, and, and it's not in Scripture, but I reckon Zach would have liked it put in the canon of Scripture. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm mute, not deaf. <laughs> so he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, this is what he wrote. His name is John. Now catch what happens. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was set free and he began to speak, praising God. His name is John. And God did something. The moment his mind and his heart and his lips got into sync with what the Word of the Lord was, God said, now now you're saying what I want you to say, now you've got the right to speak. Until then, mm, not allowed to speak. Now you are in line with what I'm saying. Now the argument stopped. You've got the right to speak and you've got a right to shift the atmosphere. You've got a right to prophetically declare that new day. See, too few of us understand what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 18, that the power of life and death is in our tongue. We just don't understand it. And so we, we, we throw out silly lines and we make silly statements and we invest in gossip. Let me tell you something. There is power in the words that we speak. I think it's time for us to throw off some limitations some of the lies that have gone over us, some of the nicknames that we've had, some of the limitations that have, that have come through people saying silly things. People, some, some of us, I remember as a young man, some people made some simple throwaway line and it sticks. It's time for us to throw it off. Remember a fishmonger by the name of John West? He claims that his fish is the best. Reason? It's because of what he rejects. We'll live the best life possible in Jesus' name when we start to reject some stuff and stop believing it, stop accepting it as though it's true. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not true. When we throw down those things that don't line up with the Word of God, the arguments cease and we begin to live in peace and joy and life and victory. I'm gonna invite the team to come on up. See, when the argument ceases, my future gains colour. I start to live in a bigger place. Let me tell you what the Bible says about you. We're gonna put a number of declarations on the screen. It'll be a really cool exercise as we start this brand new year, as we step into something. God, I don't know everything you're doing. Right now, it feels a little weird. Right now, it feels a little crazy. All I know is that you're a God that continues to do new things. Your mercy's new every morning. You wanna give us a new heart and you wanna do a new thing. And so I don't wanna say stuff that's not in line with your plans for this season. But all I do know is your Word is true. So I'm gonna declare as in John 1, 2, 12, I am His child. Colossians 2, I'm complete in Him. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm a new creation. Ephesians 2, I'm His workmanship. Romans 8, I'm more than a conqueror. What about these? I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm free, I'm loved. I'm under the grace of God. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so.
How you doing? I'm okay under the circumstances. Stop getting under the circumstances. Get on top. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. We need to begin to start declaring some of these things. You start doing that, you watch the atmosphere in your home shift. You watch your connect group change. You watch your workplace change. Stop listening to the negativity that you, oh, everything's so dark at the moment. Everything's so grey at the moment. Everything's so full of fear. Let, the Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. God, I wanna say what you're saying. I wanna stop repeating everything that's on social media and this and that. Hey, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not leaving my lips. Let me tell you, that's the key to living in joy. Again, what Paul writes, right back where we started. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, fifth verse. We demolish what? Arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God when we take captive. Every thought. And we make it obedient to Christ. Some of us need to start saying some things out loud of no, that's not true. You, you, know, you know what meditation is? Meditation is like digesting food. We just mull it over. Hmm. Hmm. Billy Graham said, you can't stop birds flying through the air, but you can stop them nesting in your head. Same with our thoughts. We can't stop them flying through the air, but we can stop them nesting in our mind. So I can't, no. I find myself saying that out loud sometimes. No, it's not true. Even the last few days, some stuff's happened. I had a couple of phone calls today. He said, oh, I just heard about so-and-so. Then that means for you. I said, no, it doesn't. Because you start going down those paths, you end up in a dark place. God is for me. If He is for me, who can be against me? Come on, we need to begin to declare these things. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. You, some, come on, some of us need to learn a new confession. Some of us need to begin to get the Word on our lips, not the news. The news is at best a statement of the obvious. I wanna get the prophetic Word of God on my lips, amen. When we start doing that, we put a prophetic dimension to our life. The wrecking ball goes through those strongholds and down comes the powers of hell. So I think it's time we started declaring things over this season. Instead of talking about the virus, why don't we start talking more about the victory we have in Christ? Can I ask you this question? What does talking about a virus do for your own soul? What does it do for the church of Jesus Christ? What does it do for the atmosphere in your home? We, all, we know it's there. Let's start talking about who Jesus is. Instead of getting all grumpy about restrictions, why don't we start praying for revival? I'm in day eight of a 21 day time of focused prayer. I'm gonna tell you something that's good for my soul because I'm actually defragging the hard drive. I'm actually just getting rid of some stuff that's causing arguments. Instead of continuing to go over and over and over about the failings of our past, why don't we begin to confess a new future?
God's word on our lips. Wow. Twenty-two years ago, we went to a church and everybody laughed at us. It was in Fortitude Valley. If you're a Brizzo, we just know it as the valley. Less than a week after I was there, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me one morning in prayer. I said, read Ezekiel 37. And I read the story of the prophet that went into a valley, the valley of dry bones. I don't know if I've ever read Scripture with so many tears streaming down my face. But I read how the prophet was taken by the Holy Spirit into this valley. And the Bible says wherever he looked, there was just dry bones. Bleached. So dry. Can you imagine? And, and he's walking through the valley. It's kind of like walking through kitty litter. Crunch, crunch. Everywhere, dry bones. And you know what God said to him? Can these bones live? Some of us are looking at some stuff right now in our life that's dried up. Some of us, we got some dreams that we thought they've died. Hope is just dead and buried. And the Word of the Lord to us tonight is, can this thing live? And you know what Isaiah, what Ezekiel said? He said, God, only you know. So then God said something. You know what He said? He said, prophesy. Now, prophesy doesn't mean saying weird things in church on Sunday with the word yay, every third word. Yay, the Lord says yay, 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 yippee, yay, yay, yay. That's not prophecy. You know what prophecy is? If Josh said to me, I want you to go and tell Steve that he's a fine looking man. You know what we're doing? If I take Josh's words and I go and speak them on his behalf, to someone else, guess what I've done? I've prophesied. And God said, prophesy. Speak to these things and declare life. So, so Ezekiel wasn't just getting all hyped up and all pumped up and excited. He didn't get all goosey and you know the way some of us feel like we've got to get to live in victory. Sometimes we just got to get the Word of God into our heart and then put it on our lips. He said, speak it out. So he said, live. And as he spoke to it, guess what happened? All those dry bones began to come into place. It would have been something that Spielberg would do. I'd love him to make a movie on the Valley of Dry Bones. And can you imagine it? All these bones flying through the air, but then all he sees is skeletons. He said, prophesy again. See, this is what a problem for a lot of us. We give up. Oh, we kind of got a bit of a miracle. No, 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 keep prophesying. Don't stop. So he prophesied again. He continued to speak what God told him. And every time he spoke, something shifted. Something shifted, not only in the invisible realm, but in the visible realm. And then sinews coming and muscles are coming. And then skin came. They were still dead. He said, this time prophesy to the winds. Say, east, south, west, north, calm and breathe into these things. And the minute he did, boom. What was once dry and bleached rises up and became a mighty army. So here's the problem for a lot of people I've met. 
they're letting the bones speak to them instead of them speaking to the bones. We, 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 get, we, get a, a, we get an email and the email speaks to us instead of us speaking to it. We get a, an invoice in the mail and <gasps> it causes that. No, hey, hey, you begin to speak back to it. We get, well, the doctor says one thing and, and, and that comes to us and it creates an argument. Oh, I thought I was gonna live till I'm 90 and now there's, hey, come on, we've gotta begin to actually, maybe that's, that's a fact, but there's something that's more powerful than fact and it's the truth and the truth is God's Word. And when we begin to declare the Word of God instead of letting those things speak to us, we speak back to them. And we. the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. So we need to begin to prophesy. We need to get what God is saying and speak it in the circumstances. Get rid of the argument and begin to prophesy. His name is John. I'm declaring a new era. I'm declaring a new era in influences in Jesus' Name. An era of joy. An era, come on. An era of breakthrough. An era of provision in Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? It's time for us to say no more arguments. No more arguments. No more listening to the stuff that's causing me despair and depression and causing me to feel down. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna listen to the Word of God. And I'm gonna speak the Word of God. Oh, some of us are seeing stuff with our kids. Why don't we, instead of being moved by what we see, begin to speak with the authority that we have into those situations in Jesus' Name. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. 
You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.